0: Hello, I'm Dr. Tom Horn. I'm your host as ever for the Shindig. We've got a really great podcast for you today. It's with one of our own, Jennifer McCarthy, and she tells us her really interesting story straight from when she started her education and wasn't necessarily going to go into archaeology.
1: Essentially, based on the timetable, uh, I picked archaeology. I thought it would be the- Grand for a year, maybe I could put up with it. And from the very first archaeology lecture, uh, everything changed.
0: So it's really interesting that you know Jennifer started doing things like applied psychology, social studies, and just did archaeology as something that she thought might be interesting. And then she got the bug.
1: It's a career that you know kind of once you in it, it. It just takes you. Um, and and I've never. It never even crossed my mind to do anything else.
0: Jennifer has worked with us for a few years now, but she's still developing.
1: Some days you might be out digging uh, in the pouring rain, uh, soaked to your skin, um, and then equally the next day you might be in an in office uh, writing up a report.
0: So, if you really want to find out how you, you you get into archaeology and how archaeology can really develop you as a person and as a professional listen to this podcast. Thank you very much for joining us today, uh, Jennifer. I realise you're very busy, but um, I, from what you, you've told me uh, in, in the past, that you didn't initially maybe set out to become the, the, the sort of excellent field archaeologist that, that you are today? Uh,
1: no, I didn't. Uh, I suppose when, when I finished school, um, I undertook an art, craft and design course Um, And I quickly realised, actually, I hate this. This isn't what I want to do. Um, So second time around, um, I thought I had a go at psychology um, and I I liked it. So I was going to run with that. um, And I was doing that through arts um, at UCC. So I needed, um, I was going to do psychology and sociology and I needed two other subjects to take for the year. Uh, So... Essentially, based on the timetable, uh, I picked archaeology, I thought it would be grand for a year, maybe I could put up with it, um, and then philosophy equally for the same reason. Um, and from the very first archaeology lecture, uh, everything changed. Uh, I hadn't realised it was actually a real career and that people actually get paid for it. Um, So, yeah, um, I undertook uh, a single honours in archaeology and I minored in philosophy. Um, And then I stayed on in the university the year after and I done a master's in archaeological excavation. So here I am.
0: (laughs) And that so yeah I think I think you know I you know I I started off doing history as well and you end up you know I just asked to be on a, on a on a dig and then yeah you get you get you get really into it and you kind of never look never look back so I think a lot of people probably listening to this um will understand that kind of that journey that's not quite as 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 linear as you know people might think when you know you're successful in a, in a career later on but um so you know what you know. If you, you what did you learn about that at, at university in terms of what what you needed to be an archaeologist? Because it's it's one of these rare jobs that sort of combines you know fit, hard physical work often in very poor conditions, um, but also with a lot of you know sort of critical thinking. Is is that how you, you would describe the job to people?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a strange one, kind of an outlier in the sense of you need to have so many different skill sets. Uh, it's kind of like a, a jack of all traits, um, as you mentioned. Some days you might be out digging uh, in the pouring rain, uh, you soaked to your skin, um, you know, your hole fills back up again and again, you know, you're not getting anywhere. Um, and then equally the next day, you might be in an in office uh, writing up a report. Um, so it's very much kind of um, a whole mix of, of everything. Um which I guess makes it really interesting as well at the same time.
0: And you've been doing this job now for six or seven years, I, I understand. What, um, you know, what have you been sort of working on the most or what, 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 yeah, just what sort of jobs have you been working on, say, for the last sort of year or so and then maybe give us an idea of the sort of various types of jobs that you've done with, with, uh, with Rubicon Heritage?
1: Yeah, so I joined um, Rubicon last February um, on the M28 uh, Cocturing Skiddy project, um, more or less as a, a supervisor. Um, and then um, having been on that project uh, for a long enough time, um, it helped me to get to the next um, stage of my career, uh, which was becoming uh, a site director. Um, and um, the M28 project helped me because it was so big, so varied, um, that I got a, a really wide range of experience from it. Um, and then from there, I was able to, to go for my license um, and sit the company interview. Um, and then from there, I suppose, for the last uh, couple of months, I have just been uh, working on various projects, I suppose, around the country um, and doing a bit of traveling.
0: And could you tell us a little bit more about your, the interview that you had, I think this was the National Monument Service, tell, for people who don't know maybe how it works in Ireland, you know, all the work you had to put in, and yeah, you, obviously you're seeing projects, huge linear projects like the M28, because they gave you that breadth of experience. Um, could you just tell us a little bit more about that project and how you became, is it licensed eligible archaeologist?
1: Yeah, so I suppose in Ireland, uh, by law, uh, from the National Monuments Act, you can't undertake any excavation in Ireland without a license. Um, and to become license eligible, uh, you essentially need to sit uh, a company-based interview um, with the National Monuments and the National Museum of Ireland um, to be deemed competent, I suppose. Um, and then from there, uh, you just uh, submit a method statement for each project you'd like to undertake and explain um, how you're going to do it, why you're doing it. Um, and then from there, um, you get uh, granted a license, or maybe not sometimes.
0: I believe also as well, because you've been put up for awards in the past. What was the, um, the award you went, you were up for, and you didn't you have to, there was a, you did some work in archives. There was a project that you'd worked on. I think that's what I'm getting at.
1: Oh, so I, I think that, the award you were referring to was um, it was an early career research award. Um, so yeah. essentially, in 2017, uh, when I was undertaking uh, my master's thesis, um, there was uh, a large volume of reports that had uh, that had been published online, grey literature essentially that hadn't been available before from the Celtic Tiger period, had been available uh, free access online for, um, by the TII and i was able to use um some of those reports from i was working my my thesis was based on uh, a road job uh, in cork so i was able to compare um other road jobs around the country um from the reports on on the website um and then there was uh essentially a call or a competition um to to explain how you best used um how you best used the information. Um, And I suppose, uh, yeah, I ended up winning it.
0: I think a lot of people who listen to our sort of, you know, uh, um, my career, my life in archaeology sort of podcast, I think they probably want to get an idea of, I always ask my friends, you know, in other fields, you, what would you do in a typical day or a typical week or a typical month? Because sometimes you've got a job title, but you kind of need to sort of walk through it. So I don't know with reference to maybe any projects you've worked on in the last, in the last couple of years, say, what, what would be maybe a, a, a typical week or a month or even a day in terms of your job as a supervisor and now as a licensed uh, eligible archaeologist?
1: Um, I suppose using the M28 uh, as the freshest example, I suppose um, a day on the life of that project uh, would involve a daily briefing in the morning first thing so that everyone understands what the, what the plan is for the day um and i suppose addressing any health and safety concerns as well before we start um, and then excavation uh, gets underway and i suppose my role would be to to supervise um the excavation and be on hand to answer any questions um and maybe or maybe make some suggestions. Um, And I suppose a large part of excavation um, on the ground uh, would be checking paperwork because for every archaeological feature that's excavated on the ground, uh, a paper record is created and all the paper records need to correlate and match up. um, uh, Unless when you get off site and you're back in the office, um, if there's any small mistakes, it might cause big problems down the line. So I suppose always. keeping an eye on the paperwork is is a big part of of it too
0: and 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 that's it the paperwork is being produced by this this large team and i think a lot of people might not realize that that team aspect of our archaeology everybody has to work together often under very trying conditions can you say a little bit more about you know what the team will be doing and how you manage the team and just in archaeology how it's it's this that you know the, the team ethic is really important
1: I suppose I would say all of archaeology uh, is essentially teamwork in some some form, but especially on site, um, you know, you might have two or three people working on a, a really trying feature, uh, such as a, a deep and wide ditch, um, and it really is all about about teamwork to, to carry to carry everything and, and and move forward.
0: And I think that's very important. Having worked as a field archaeologist myself, it's you know you're you're working cheat by gel with people often months uh at a time and and maybe away from home and you need to have that that camaraderie which i think you've talked about in in the in the past but what you know i suppose my question from that is what are the other you know sort of things that you enjoy about archaeology in terms of you know you know because i think as i understand it you know community archaeology and heritage is very important to you is that correct
1: yeah i i think um the best part for me about archaeology um, is I suppose nearly every archaeologist probably says, it is when you find stuff, uh, when you find artefacts, uh, it's really, it never gets old. It's always like, you know, you're the first person to, to hold something uh, in thousands of years. Um, and it's a feeling that I've, I'm not sure um, that I've ever felt from something else. Um, but I suppose it's the camaraderie of it too, you know, it's, you feel like when you find something you need to tell everyone about it and you're just going around showing everyone what you found um, and doing your, your lap of honour I suppose sometimes um, but yeah uh, I, that's, I think that's my, my favourite part, <laughs> typical love um, of archaeology.
0: I suppose from that my, my next question would be you talked about findings but I, I think my question is finds, what you know, I think people like to hear from an archaeologists and it's, it's a question that often gets asked, you know, what, what is your kind of favourite find? But on either before and maybe one also from the M28 project, what's not necessarily maybe the most important thing you find, but the thing that maybe you've, to illustrate your, you know, your answer that's something that's maybe told us a little bit more about the past that can, you know, help us understand, you know, where we are today just, or it could just be something that's really shiny and cool. So, I mean, it's absolutely mm-hmm. just just your sort of, your favourite or maybe most interesting find? Uh,
1: um, I suppose I always like to find uh, pre-stark pottery, um, and we have found uh, a bit of it on the M28. Um, I suppose it's not the shiniest of uh, finds, um, but I think it tells us a lot about, about the ordinary person um, and every day. In everyday life as opposed to the shiny finds um and the really remarkable special things um and i think as well with, with pottery anyway um you know someone has made this with their hands um sometimes if you're if you're lucky enough um there could be even i suppose i heard on medieval pottery anyway there could be uh, even a fingerprint uh, or a thumb of the potter um so i just think I think a lot can be learned about the more mundane finds as opposed to the the more remarkable ones because it tells us more about the ordinary person as opposed to um the more remarkable stuff
0: and now then I suppose the flip side to this because you know we can't have people walking away think archaeology is is just a walk in the park finding sort of really interesting things what what are you know um because you know, we're always very honest in these these podcasts what what would be maybe the the less glamorous aspects of, of archaeology that you could uh, tell people about
1: um i suppose the most it's obvious one that comes to mind is the weather uh, especially in ireland where it, it bloody rains all the time um and sometimes especially when you're out in sight and you just have one of those days where the rain just does not stop but it's not heavy enough that you have to stand in from it it's it's still it's still raining but it's light enough to be working in it um and when you're digging something everything is heavier um everything is just sloppy it's messy it's dirty um and sometimes you know y- you bail your your pitch or your ditch out uh the water out and then two hours later it's 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 back in there um and it kind of feels like sometimes uh 20 step backwards to get to get one step forward um and that happens <laughs> a bit more often um than, than I'd like, I think, but uh, that definitely is part, part and parcel of it too.
0: And how many uh, washing machines have you gone through as an archaeologist then?
1: When I always get in trouble. I always have nails in my pocket, and especially at work, you have so many pockets and you think you've emptied them all, but you haven't. There's always something stuck somewhere. Um, it always ends up uh, stuck in my washing machine, and I get in a lot of trouble with it. But as the years go on, um, I think I'm being very more careful about it.
0: You need a metal detector next to your next to your washing machine, perhaps, as we all do. I think, as archaeologists, yeah.
1: you'd be amazed what ends up in your pocket. Like not even the snails, but stones, small stones, pebbles oh, just ridiculous amount of things in your pocket.
0: But I was just to end then, um, what would what would you say? Would you still, if you went back six, seven, eight years to the Jennifer of, of 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 that time? would you still advise her um, to to have a career in commercial archaeology?
1: Um, Yeah, I think so. I think when I got into it, I I didn't really fully understand that you have to travel a lot of the time for work. Um, And I've done a fair bit of traveling over the years, Um, pretty much worked in in most counties uh, in in Ireland. Um, But saying that, I think maybe as you go on, in your career um you're not as as uh you're a bit more stationary um but i I would do it all over again i would do the exact same the exact same things over again um i think it's uh it's a career that you know kind of once you're in it (laughs) it just takes you um and and i've never never even crossed my mind to do anything else um even after after this time and I think that's I think that
0: comes across in a lot of the people that we interview. it, it really is a vocation, it is like a calling and uh if it gets its hooks into you, you you kind of it's di- it's dif- difficult difficult to leave despite despite the rain and the mud and the nails. But uh well, I'm just gonna say now, um, because Jennifer is is busy we've taken her away from her day job and I'd just like to say thank you very much on behalf of myself and uh Rubicon Heritage and, and Luke um for, for your time and uh, best of luck with the future.
1: Thanks for having me
0: well you know short but sweet that was just just interesting um and just shows you you know what we you know i think it's made me think about more you know uh, I, you know i should be doing more and just trying more things so i can develop my career in the way that jennifer has been
2: yeah it's, it's a really interesting one because we don't often over the last few episodes get the chance to talk to I was our own people on the ground that, we're, that are doing the work for Rubicon and Red River every day. Uh, so it's really interesting to kind of get an idea of what she's doing on a day-to-day basis and what it takes to get to where she is, especially for me, again, as an outsider to archaeology, to to get to see the the groundwork and how people just fall into this job and fall in love with it straight away then.
0: And an important reminder, I think, for all of us that, you know, check your pockets Uh, before you put your archaeology equipment into the machine.
2: Absolutely. And do you know what's going to be in your pockets? Your phones. Use your phones to subscribe to this podcast. Use your phones to like this on YouTube. Use your phones to share it. Tell your archaeology friends or people who are interested in these kind of podcasts that we're here. Uh, We have some great topics coming up. We have some great topics in our back catalogue. So hit that subscribe button to get us straight into your ears every time we have a new release.
0: uh Uh, and just remains me to say uh thank you from uh behalf of red river archaeology group and myself and luke and uh we hope you enjoyed it
2: thanks guys